Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. A prophet's job in society is there's someone who says, kind of casts a vision for what the kingdom of God is like, and then tells people how society is, is or isn't falling short of that kingdom vision. A prophet's job is to, to understand the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God that is promised to each of us, and then to put that in conversation with society, which may be falling short of love, peace, and joy. And in the prophetic literature, which there is a bunch of in our Bible, there are some themes that you should know. If you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the Bible, there are some themes that you should know about some prophets. They always tie together equal ecological destruction, social injustice, and unfaithfulness. In the prophetic literature, these are synonymous. They're referring to the same thing. And so in the prophetic literature, when it talks about the destruction of the land, you'll see in the next breath, they talk about social injustice. In the prophetic literature, when they talk about forgetting the Lord and how we have abandoned God, in the same breath, they talk about how we trampled the poor. In the prophetic literature, when they talk about how that soil has so suffered under our caretaking, in the same breath, they're calling people to the temple. In the prophetic literature, yeah, feel free to like do a lot of responsive, yeah, like I know that we're still kind of like getting used to each other here, but feel free to call out, feel free to shout. Um, we got some ecological destruction, social injustice, and unfaithfulness all tethered together. And in the prophetic literature, they're saying that God is a God who flips patterns. God is a God who flips patterns. And so no matter how far gone a society is, no matter how much they are practicing ecological destruction, social injustice, and unfaithfulness, God is a God who flips patterns. And so we see a God who turns all of that into faithfulness, which means land renewal, which means social reparation. These are all the same concept, all the same vein. God is saying, I'm going to flip some patterns for how wrong we're getting it and show you just how right we can get it. And God sends us prophets. Thank God for prophets. There are some prophets in this room today who show how society is getting it wrong and then creates a path to how to flip these patterns. That's what prophets do. They show us how society has fallen short and how to flip the pattern. This is important in an age of cancel culture because they're not just saying how society gets it wrong. Any of us can complain. Any of us can post on social media how wrong such and such is or so and so is. A prophet says, you're, you're falling short, but I believe that God has not abandoned us and there is another way. There is an intrinsic hopefulness to the critique. If you are off critiquing social injustice without an intrinsic hopefulness, then you're not being prophetic. You're being something else. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> to be a prophet, there is a deep, abiding hopefulness that is convinced that God has not abandoned us and that God is a God who flips patterns. And so we get this reading from skinny old Joel trying to tie all these themes together in a very succinct way. You know, Isaiah gets like 60 plus chapters. Joel gets like three, maybe four, depending if you kind of squint, right? So he's really trying to get to it, right? And so we see all of these themes up together, shoulder to shoulder in Joel in ways that are more stretched out in other prophetic literature. And so in Joel, we hear right off the bat, don't fear, fertile land. Before Joel, ooh, before Joel gets to talking to people, Joel is looking at the soil. Before Joel is like, okay, I have, I have a, a sermon that I want to preach, Joel is looking at the ground and apologizing to the land. Joel is looking down at the soil and is saying, hey, I know we put you through a lot. I know our industries have disrespected you. I know that the way that we built our buildings and our cities are not fair. I know that we have harmed, killed, and genocided the original caretakers of the land. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But let me tell you, soil, that there is hope on the way. The Lord has not forgotten the land. The Lord has not forgotten the soil. The Lord is going to heal the very dirt under our feet and call it sacred. Joel is looking at the soil and prophesying, saying, I believe that this abused, abandoned, and destroyed soil can be capable of life again. Have hope, dear soil. Have hope. Dear soil, listen, I know Northeast has a lot of gardeners in here. Have y'all seen our yard, by the way? It's not a yard, it's just a garden. It's just full blast garden. They're like, yard who? We're just gonna build a garden. All the hours spent, uh, knees to the land, hands to the land, trying to say, don't fear fertile land. We are proclaiming a new way. I know that the factories are polluting everything. I know that there's lead everywhere. I know that the oil companies never keep their promises. But don't fear fertile land because there is hope on the way. That's what Joel is saying to the ground. And then he looks up and is like, oh yeah, people are here too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get to you. And, and Joel says, children of Zion, you will eat of abundance and be satisfied. Children of Zion. Now this, was, this is Joel speaking to a people who have been long abused and oppressed. One of the interesting things about Joel is that he gives very few um, details that would tell us exactly when this was written. And so we're trying to understand who Joel might be speaking to, probably in the, in the era of Ezra and Nehemiah, for you seminarians watching along on, on Facebook. I see you. Probably in the era of Ezra and Nehemiah. And so these are folks who, have, uh, who know displacement, who know what it's like to, uh, to have to make a new home, even though they didn't really want to leave their old home. 
These are folks who know what it's like to not have uh, enough food on the table, who know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night anxious, who know that we might have to sing the by and by a little bit more because we don't understand what it is like. And did you see, did you hear the, the part, I think it, uh, you had pointed out the, the, that God is going to repay. Ooh, I just, I'm breaking out of the sermon. I need to go back to that part right there. Um, uh, uh, it was talking about the, yeah, I will repay you for the years that the cutting locusts, the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, and the devouring locusts have eaten. In, uh, in Hebrew literature, whenever you see synonyms of things, that's because they're trying to add emphasis to something. And so it's like, I'm not just going to repay you for the cutting locust. I'm going to repay you for the swarming locust, for the hopping locust, for the devouring locust. Because the people, part of the context is that Joel is speaking to a people who don't have any crops because there was a bunch of locusts who ate all their stuff. And they're, they're people who are like, we're, we're in trouble, folks. We're in trouble. How is God ever going to provide? And, and Joel is there saying, God is a God of reparation. God is accounting for the things that have been stolen in your life and says, I can't wait for you to discover abundance. I know that there are people in this room who feel like their entire childhood has been robbed from them. I know that there are folks in this room who are like, my 20s went to someone who did not love me back. I know that there are folks in this room who don't know why they got the, the degree that they did, who don't know why they spent that time in that job where they were abused and neglected, who don't know uh, why they kept it, uh, staying in situations where they were not honored and loved. But there are folks who have had time that has been stolen from them, folks who lived in the closet for decades and said, I don't know if I'm ever going to find what has been stolen from me again. There are folks who have, in this room who have had things who have been that have been stolen from them. And God is saying, I don't know who has cut you down. I don't know who has swarmed around you. I don't know who hopped you. I don't know who devoured you. But I'm saying that God is going to repay you for all the things that have been stolen from you and more. Yes. All of the things. Oh, we're, listen, did you hear the song? Like, we're talking about eternal life here. We're talking about, like, God can't wait for you to live in abundance. Oh, hallelujah. It will all be repaid. Mm, God is a God of reparation. Now, he, uh, now, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about, have y'all ever heard of prosperity gospel? I'm not talking about like, if you give everything you ever earned to the church, then God will make you rich in a predictable amount of time, like within a week or so. That's what we call a scam. <laughs> if we are to have justice, then we have to have accounting. There needs to be an understanding of what was taken, what the costs that were, um, that were foisted upon people so that we can repair that. And so I'm talking about a God of reparation, meaning God who will make all things well in a manner of all things being well. That might mean a little bit in your prayer life today. That might mean uh, the, the decisions that you make tomorrow 
but certainly it means whatever is on the other side of death. And this is kind of like the hopefulness that Joel is speaking about. Like, listen, I'm not God, but I know that God's up to something, and I believe that God is a God of reparation. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. Uh, the, what the Spirit is saying, not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, oh, do you feel that? Oh, do you feel that kind of like rising energy? Do you, do you feel that warmth in your chest? We are trained to ignore our bodies in our society, but do you, do you feel those subtle ways that the Spirit is trying to communicate with you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, uh, uh, New City Church uh, started in the context of people who didn't have a lot to hope for. In fact, uh, we... Um, let's see, we launched in November 2017, started, some of the original folks are in this room, by the way. Um, yes, yes, yes. But we started organizing in 2015, and I just remember, um, you know, with the political upheaval that happened in 2016, do you remember something happened in 2016? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know, I got new shoes. Oh, and, <laughs> like, I'm not, let me be clear, like, I'm not talking about one particular uh, political candidate. I'm talking about a social unveiling where all of a sudden racist folks got really bold and, and, and misogynist folks got really bold and immigrants, uh, people who hated immigrants got really bold. And so I'm not saying, like, New City does not endorse or speak against any particular candidate or party because we are nonprofit. But I'm saying that the climate of our social world changed in 2016, 17, and 18. And New City Church was like, we gotta figure out a community hopeful solution to what we see going on. Like we saw that the world was burning long before the uprisings. Like we knew that stuff was going down. And so we planted a New City Church together. And originally, it was just a couple of people in a living room. And, and we had this story of Revelation 21, where God did, uh, there's, there's this poetic image where heaven is not what we are uh, uh, lifted up into, but rather heaven is a city that comes down to earth. That city is, that, that city is like God's renewal happening on earth. That's like the promise of, of this, right? Fear not, fertile soil. Heaven's coming down to earth. God's not going to just like, what do they call it in Left Behind? The, um, the rapture. God's not going to like get a to-go bag, take all the Christians, and then be like, welcome to the VIP club. God's like, I want to renew the whole earth. I'm coming down. Here. <laughs> And so, uh, and so we were like, okay, we're going to be a church and we're going to try to make it so that, that the city of Minneapolis looks a little bit more like, uh, like this new city of God. And we don't know how we're going to do it, but we know that God is a God who has not abandoned us. And if we listen to our calling, then we will find a way. And so we, uh, we kept uh, doing stuff and we kept growing. We launched so many ministries, uh, the Incarnation Fund, I think being the most significant, our Mental Health Reparation Fund, which supports people of color and accessing therapy offered by therapists of color. Hallelujah. And we launched this before the uprising, by the way. Ooh, God gave us time to prepare. And we just kept growing. You know, we just kept growing. We outgrew 
Uh, eventually, at some point, we were meeting in Tori's house. We outgrew Tori's house. At some point, we were meeting in, um, oh, that art gallery um, on 35th and Bloomington. We outgrew that. Um, and then we ended up uh, renting space from Walker, and we were in the upstairs space, and then we were like, okay, we kind of need to be in the sanctuary because we keep growing. God is, God is uh, creating abundance in this community. Um, but can I tell you something about New City that not very many of you know? Maybe like two people in this room know. Can I tell you something about New City? It's about our logo. Um, do you ever notice that New City uh, uses, if, if you've ever seen our communication, there's a lot of hexagons in our communication. Okay, yeah, a lot of hexagons. I get it. Uh, and so um, this shape was picked very specifically for three reasons. There are three symbols embedded in a hexagon that we don't talk about a ton because if you're not like obsessed with graphic design it's kind of boring but but i believe that there's something important about this that is like coming to fruition here um so first of all we wanted to do a hexagon because bees bees are literally so important y'all these are literally like we are all so dead without bees i don't know how to explain this to us like we're all super dead without bees and so what in northeast actually in the prayers of the people at northeast we prayed specifically for pollinators because all of life depends on bees and so we wanted to do a little bit of that um i also wanted to be i, I wanted this shape to convey a certain tenor of what we're about and that's about boldness you know at that time a lot of um, a lot of the design, a lot of the Pinterest boards were kind of these like, we're just going to use 30 colors with gradients and like there's not going to be hard edges and it's all just kind of like whatever, man. Like it's all good, whatever. And, um, and I think there's a place for that. And the folks of New City, as we were doing listening groups, were like, we need to proclaim boldly what we are about. The earth is burning. We don't have a ton of time to like not say that it's burning. LGBTQ people are dying on the daily. We need to like not waffle on whether we accept them or not. We're going to, we're just saying like, here's the little hexagon shaped line. Here's queer affirmation. That's where we're standing folks. Like this, it was, there was a certain boldness that we felt like was important for that. Anti-racism was like, we're not going to argue whether racism is real in this space. We are going to have constructive conversation about how to address racism, how to repair racism. We're not going to argue whether or not, like that is, we are drawing a bold line. Because you know why? There's like a jillion other churches where people who don't want that can go. Yeah, you passed like so many churches on the way here. There's like a jillion. There's so many not bold churches around. You got options, folks. Like, this isn't like the only place. And so we were like, yeah, we wanna draw some lines. And lastly, and this I, I think, um, uh, I just, it's amazing how this came out from the groups, but we wanted it to convey abundance. A, a hexagon can tile together infinitely. You can put as many hexagons together as you want, infinitely. Not a lot of shapes can do that, and especially not a lot of fun shapes. So, um, <laughs> And as New City was even starting, there was kind of this conversation of like, we're not just gonna be starting one thing, or a church, or a one thing. We want to 
make space for the Holy Spirit to launch multiple things or to have multiple concepts of things. And so we chose a shape that would accommodate having multiple things together. And so we have this, uh, this shape that conveys these things. And as we are in this season that we are with Northeast and New City, I think it's really important that we kind of like revisit some of the founding things that we had. Um, because this season, God is asking us to listen to what, to, to what right relationship between Northeast and New City will look like, what right relationship will look like. The shorthand for that is multi-siding, but multi-siding can mean like 30 different things. I've launched, or I've researched a whole bunch of things, and it's everything from like literally a live stream being projected up on a screen from another church, all the way to like basically two separate churches that share some key programmatic elements. So we are listening for, uh, for what it might means to be in right relationship together. And by the way, you know who listens for, for right relationship? Prophets. Prophets are people who try to figure out how things should relate to each other given the imagination of God. Prophets are the people who are like, so how are we going to fit the pieces together uh, between Powderhorn and Northeast, how are we going to fit the pieces together, the broken pieces of our city, and how can we move as a people to, to make the world look a little bit more like the kingdom of God? How can we look at the soil and legitimately keep eye contact and say, we are doing something that is creating renewal for you? How can we look at each other and create a new world? This is what it means to be in discernment. And I know that for those of you who love plans and certainty, this is a little bit uncomfortable of a moment, okay? Because we're like listening, we're doing focus groups, we're doing values. At the end of this service, you're gonna have uh, surveys. And that lacks the clarity that, that some of us feel like we need for a certain sense of certainty. However, the prophetic process cannot be rushed. The prophetic process cannot be rushed. It has to be discerned. It has to have accounting in it. There has to be a certain like attention to detail because if we're going to be in relationship with each other, I want it to be a relationship where both communities are able to do things that they wouldn't be able to do by themselves. I want it to be something where we provoke each other to good deeds, like the book of Hebrews says, where we are prompting each other to stand up for justice and to create community a little bit more. I want it to be something where we know that we are not alone in this work. And we can't do it, we can't rush into that, we can't make assumptions about that because, uh, because the Holy Spirit has some very important things for us to listen to. And we can't let the, the fear of ambiguity stop us from hearing the truth of the Spirit. And so we are taking this summer to listen to how we might be skinny little prophets in our own world. <laughs> People who are like, 
trying to find right relationship with the land and the world. Skinny little prophets meaning, I'm all about a plus size prophet. I'm not, this is not a body shaming moment, by the way. You can wear any size and be a prophet, hallelujah. I'm talking, <laughs> if you weren't here for the beginning of the service, I'm talking about like people who are a few words and a lot of action. Joel is like, I can get this out in three chapters and then I gotta go minister to the world. <laughs> and so we're trying, to, we're trying to be people who are not overly spinning in our own words. We're trying to really meaningfully act out. And I believe that there's a really important way that these communities can be in relationship with each other that empowers you to live out your prophetic faith a little bit better every day. I believe that that's possible. And we're listening for it, we're reaching for it, we have teams of people listening for it. Northeast has been doing dinners, so many great dinners, hallelujah. New City has had full partner meetings, we've done surveys, we're doing listening, we're putting this all together, believing that God is calling us to be prophets in our own time and land, all of us. Can I pray for us? And we can get a little bit of music. Holy Spirit, uh, I ask for your gift to every person in this room. I ask that when we feel discouraged, when we are caught up in all the things that have been stolen from us, that we might remember that you are an abundant God, that you are a holy and loving God, a God who makes us whole, a God who finds a way to new life. Bless every person in this room, every person joining us online, every person seeing this on Facebook. Let them know that together we can be a prophet. God, we're leaning to you. We need you, God. We need your vision. We need your word. Please be with us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Let the people say, Amen.